Welcome to an inspiring message from Awaken City Church. For more information about us, visit awakencity.com.au. Let me pray as I get ready to deliver the Word today. Father God, I just thank You for everything that we are called to do as a church. I thank You that we get to be built up by You, to build up one another and then to build the church together. And so Father God, I ask in the Name of the Lord Jesus Christ that You would anoint us, empower us and equip us for everything that we are called into, that we would not take no for an answer, that we would not hesitate, that we would not hold back, but we would be those that press on and overcome in all things. In Jesus' Name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. I wanna bring a teaching with you today that I'd love to just unpack because of the importance that it has meant for me as I've gone about attempting to lead. This teaching has been a critical and core teaching to my life because of what it means, I believe, to follow Jesus and what it means to be set free by Him. We're in a season where we're talking about what it means to be anointed for freedom. I believe that one of the core messages of the good news of Jesus Christ is that He has come to set us free. Free from everything that would seek to hold us back, hinder us and keep us restricted in a life that isn't able to overcome. I believe we've been called to freedom. And as I was studying through the Scriptures myself, uh, a few weeks ago, I, I came across in the start of the book of Mark. And I, I love the book of Mark because it's like the action book of the Gospels. It's like uh, uh, the director of John Wick had directed one of the Gospels. It's just bang, 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 action all round. Jesus does this, does that. And in the first chapter of the book of Mark, you see an account where Jesus goes into a synagogue in a city called Capernaum. And as He walks in there, it says that He began to teach them with authority. Can you, can you say that with me? Authority. authority. Say it like you mean it, authority. authority. And it says that He began to teach them with authority and it caused those that were listening to be astonished because they were hearing teaching that, that had come up. They, they said that, that Jesus taught with authority quite unlike the leaders of their time. Talk about a comparison trap. And I started to think through and study, what does this word authority mean? Because it conjures up different things in my mind. I think of the authority that Liam tries to enforce on me as he's growing into his manhood where he'll he'll try to wrestle me, beat me down, punch me, and I'm still just strong enough to overcome. I think of the authority that Zoe tries to enact on me when she wants to get her own way and she pulls out her ace card, the pretty eyes and how that just about beats me every time. Or I think about Flinny, our five-year-old, how he will exert his authority on me by smothering me in kisses until the answer has to be yes. When you think of that word authority, you think of that idea of having power over. But see, sometimes words in the Bible have much bigger meanings. So we have to reclaim what words mean because in our culture that tries to define words for itself, it can lose the meaning and it can lose the power behind the words that God has used to convey His heart to us. So what does it mean that Jesus had authority? Well, as I studied it out, it meant the power to rule and it meant the, the, the strength to overcome. But at its core, get this, that word authority, as far as the Bible uses it, means literally the competency of freedom. I'd never heard that before. That authority means the competency of freedom. Think about this, Jesus, 
lived, moved, ministered with complete authority because He was completely free. Because there was nothing holding Him back, nothing that was pulling Him down, nothing that was able to ensnare Him so He could not do what He was called to do. And think about the idea that you and I are called to live like Jesus and to share in His authority and that it's available for us today, not just to have the power to rule, not just to have the strength to overcome, but to have in our hearts the competency to live in freedom. That nothing... No fishing line, no snare, no no anchor holds us back because we're able to move forward in life with confidence and grace. Authority matters. And it took me on a study of what does that look like? Because I, I don't think just because you see it, it just click and it's, and it's there. You've, you've got to unpack it and you've got to appropriate it for yourself. You've got to see how this works. How does Jesus work freedom in the lives of those who follow Him? I believe in Luke chapter six, uh, Luke chapter four, we see a picture of what it means to have Jesus work in us to set us free. It says in Luke chapter four, verse 16. So He, Jesus came to Nazareth where He'd been brought up. And as His custom was, He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and He stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the Gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, and he began to say to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. I love that because in that I see the template of the ministry of Jesus. If if you wanted to have a summary of all that Jesus wants to do in your life, that Scripture is it. That this is what Jesus has come to do and what He does still by His Spirit today for all those that choose to follow Him. And and I just wanted to take an opportunity in the, the short time that we have together today to unpack what I believe this Scripture means. And I can't stress this enough, this Scripture has been critical for my own freedom and what it means to live a life that comes under the authority of Jesus, but lives into the authority that He's called us in. And to break it down, I think is critical. See, I don't know about you, but when you break something down, you can enjoy it so much more. Have you ever grabbed an Oreo cookie and twisted the top and then licked the cream and then eaten each individual section bit by bit. No, I haven't either. (laughs) Why do people do that? Because they want to enjoy every bit. You know, in the teachings of Jesus, it's so easy to take a big picture view that we lose the breakdown and why each bit matters. 
first bit of this portion that Jesus is teaching and I believe He came to deliver. He says in verse 18, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. See, the good news is, is that Jesus said in John 16, 7, that it's better for us that He goes, that He ascends to the right hand of the Father of God in heaven so that He can send the Helper who will guide us into all truth. Do you know that today, every single one of us have access to the Spirit of God? That the Holy Spirit desires to live in you. You are a living, breathing structure. That you can encounter God in your day-to-day life. And that God is still working today by His Spirit and He has not stopped. The Spirit of God is, of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me. That word anointed isn't something that we often use in our language and it comes from an idea that when somebody was put into a key position, especially in the Old Testament, whether a priest or a king or another leader, that they were often anointed into that role. And what that would mean is that they would get oil, fragrant oil, and they would pour that on them as a sign and as a consecration that these people were being set apart for a task. So the anointing became an empowerment. And I believe it's possible for you and I to live an anointed life. An anointed life is one where we're drawing on the Spirit of God for everything that we need. See, it's too easy for people to draw on people around them, to, to, to draw on, 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 on their friend circles as if that is going to sustain their life. Now, don't get me wrong, you need to have friends, but you can't draw what you need out of another human being. It'll never be enough. You can't draw what you need from your work. Now, it's important that you bring your best into your work and you give your best and you serve your best. But if you need fulfilment, you will not find it in your work. What you'll find it in is learning how to draw on the Spirit of life who fills you up even in situations that are empty in you. You can perpetually be filled up. See, there's a way of living life where you're not feeling empty all the time. And it's one where you draw on the anointing. Can I just say this? You are anointed. You are set apart by God to live for Him, with Him and by Him. So whatever situation you're in, whatever situation you're in at work or at home, or whatever pressure is facing you, there is an anointing available for you. I used to do crazy things when I was younger, when I met Jesus. When everybody was in bed, I used to get the olive oil in the kitchen and cover my hands in it and my head. And I'd walk around in the kitchen and say, God, you're gonna use me. Very strange. But what it meant was, I was taking the opportunity to say, I wanna draw on you and nothing else. Something happens when we make the choice to draw on what God has available for us rather than grasping at the straws around us. We are called to live anointed. Anointed for what? Says that Jesus has come to proclaim the Gospel to the poor. That word preach means to proclaim, it means to declare, it means to give. Give what? Give the good news. What is the good news? The good news is that there's a better story to live from. The good news is that there's a better way. So Jesus came to give life and life abundant. And I believe with all my heart that the message of Jesus is one that calls us from death to life because it is the best way to live. 
See, following Jesus isn't about rules and regulations, about trying to measure up. No, it's about receiving from Him everything that you need to live and be so that He can empower you by His grace to live your life so that you can live out the better story. There's a better story for you that you're called into by the message of Jesus. But it says there, He's come to preach the Gospel to the poor. Now, I've just been in Cambodia and there are so many people trapped in poverty there. Actually, when you drive around some parts of Rockingham now, now you see the effects of poverty breaking out in our day-to-day world. You think it is, is the message just for those types of people? But again, you've got to study out what does the Bible mean? That word poor doesn't mean empty of resources. It means a life of lack. Jesus has come to give a message, a better story to all those who acknowledge, I need it. Jesus also went on to say, blessed are the poor in spirit for they will inherit the Kingdom of God. Here's what I wanna say to you today, church. There is no room for spiritual pride in any one of us. There's no room for living life thinking like we've got it all together. There's no room for any single one of us to be puffed up in ourselves because here's the truth. If you want to grow, you've got to live life in need. You've got to live life like God is the one who is there able to provide what you need. So come to Him in your emptiness. Come to Him in your, in your, in your abject desperation because in that you meet with God because when you draw near to Him, He draws near to you. I love the idea of feeling like I'm in lack because what it does is it provokes me to come to God in desperation. I need help. It's okay to not know what to do. Just don't stand in that by yourself. Come to the one who has come to tell a better story to everybody who acknowledges they are in need. There's more room to grow. And so what has Jesus come to unpack? It says that He has been sent to heal the brokenhearted. That word heal means to cure, means to make whole. And the brokenhearted are those crushed of spirit. You know, it says in the book of Proverbs chapter four, that we should guard our heart with all diligence for out of it flows the issues of life. It's interesting to me that the first thing that Jesus highlights that He's come to do is to bind up, to heal the brokenhearted. Do you know that your heart matters? Do you know that the ministry of Jesus is one where He wants to heal you of the brokenness of what you've experienced, of things that have been done to you or even things that you've done? That the purpose of Jesus is to bind up your broken heart so that you can live life whole in Him. Do you know it's okay to face your pain? that in fact, I would even say it's critical that you come to God with your pain and allow Him to process that through you. And that if we are willing to allow Him to journey with us through our pain, through the shadow, uh, through the valley of the shadow of death, that we fear no evil because His rod and His staff, they guide us, we are able to be led to a full life. But those who run from their pain, stall their growth, and live their life going around and around in the wilderness. We're all broken somehow. And the ministry of Jesus is to heal that heart. In my personal study, I've been reading through the book of Nehemiah 
over and over and over again. It's a book set in the Old Testament about how God called a leader to galvanise a whole community, to rebuild what had been destroyed. See, his city, Jerusalem, lay in ruins and he was exiled in a foreign land, had a cushy job, had a good life. And he gets news at the beginning of that book that his homeland is desolate and destroyed. It seems to be at that point, he wasn't aware of the reality of the brokenness of the world around him. And as he becomes aware, the Scriptures say that for days he wept and he mourned. And then it says, then he started to pray and fast. And then God gave him the blueprint to start to enact a future where things were restored. So the key is we have to be willing to come to God with our pain. It's okay to mourn, it's okay to face it. And in that, allow Him to lead us through it and out of it. We have to be willing to face it because whatever we're unwilling to face will just fester and will blister and will hinder. The ministry of Jesus has come to bind up your broken heart. Psalm 147 verse three says, He heals the broken in heart and He binds up their wounds. Elsewhere in Scriptures, it says, by His stripes we are healed. I believe that's healing in every aspect. I believe in physical healing, emotional healing, mental healing. I believe that it's possible that if you have memories that have so scarred you, that cause you to replay moments and moments and moments, that you can invite the Holy Spirit to come into that moment and say, Lord, what are you saying to me? And He can set you free. I'm convinced that that is a reality that is available because He has anointed you to live in freedom. Amen. Goes on to say that Jesus has come to proclaim, to preach liberty to the captives. Liberty means freedom that is lasting. It means a release from bondage or imprisonment. And what does it mean to be captive? I want you to listen to this out of 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 to 6. The Apostle Paul writes, We destroy arguments in every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. See, some people are either captive by their thinking or they take their thinking captive. I wanna say that again. Some people are either captive to their thinking or they take their thinking captive to Christ. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. What's He come to do? To preach liberty, to preach freedom to those captive. Captive to what? I don't know about you, but I'm often finding myself battling against false thinking. Mindsets of belief that keep me stuck in a rut that I have to choose literally to come to God and renounce so that He can speak His truth into me. So we're meant to not accept things in our heads the way they are and be captive to thoughts and imaginations. Have you ever imagined a scenario that never happened? Have you ever caught yourself imagining a scenario that never happened and find yourself spending time, maybe half an hour, an hour, two hours, imagining something that then when it, ha- when it gets to the time, it doesn't actually happen. Think of all that mental energy that's used up. We're captive. We're captive to a way of thinking that holds us back. Oh, what, do, what do you do about that? 
Well, one of the most powerful things I, I think is highlighted by this season right now. You know, uh, on Thursday, it was American Thanksgiving. To all the Americans in the house, Happy Thanksgiving. When Rhiannon and I lived in Cambodia, some of our fellow missionaries were Americans and Canadians. And from that moment, since we moved there in 2009, every year we have celebrated Thanksgiving. Now, I cannot tell you the roots of that holiday. I've seen it in movies. It didn't stick. I don't know. I'm not here to talk about Thanksgiving outside of the effect that it's had on us. So I love it. It's my favourite holiday in the year because you get to eat good food with good people. But the best moment is, and this is tradition to Thanksgiving, before you eat, everybody present goes around and says what they're thankful for. And you should see the atmosphere change. I know in our culture, we roll our eyes. Man, that's, that's weird, that's strange. But I promise you, put yourself in a situation like that. Just experiment. So let's go around the room and say one thing we're thankful for. And I promise you, it'll change the atmosphere of that space. After the first, the second, the third, the fourth, man, something's lifted. Because as you enter into thankfulness, your thinking comes in alignment with the heart of God. And the things that were ruling you stop ruling you. The Apostle Paul writes in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, Whatever is honourable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. That word dwell means to live in. Don't rush from it. Don't tick it off. Live. Live in what? What? What is true, what is honourable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is any moral excellence, if there is anything praiseworthy, live in that. See your thinking change from captivity to freedom when you hijack your thought patterns to bring them in alignment with the heart of God. Where you allow yourself to start praising Him for the things. Man, Bobby, I'm so grateful for your feet. But I'm so grateful that Bobby is somebody that has overcome obstacles represented in that. There's something to praise. Sometimes you have to unearth it. Don't get me wrong. I know in the brokenness of the world around us, sometimes we need to be intentional, but that's why the Scripture says to be intentional. It almost says that when you are overwhelmed, stop. Stop and start to unearth the things to praise God about. And you watch the atmosphere around you change. And you move from an environment where you're sucking the life around you to giving life in every circumstance. Verse 9 says, Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. Could I ask the worship team to come up and join? Jesus has come because the Spirit of the Lord is upon Him. He's anointed He's been sent to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind. I always thought this one was strange. I don't know what it feels like to be blind. My eyesight's getting slowly worse the older I get, but that doesn't quite count. But again, it's an opportunity to dig into what the Bible actually means. And I wanna tell you what that, 
word sight and blindness means in the original language. The word sight means to see clearly, but without hindrance. To see without obstacles in your way. And that word blindness from the original language means to be living as if you're walking through a fog. How many people feel like that? As if they're living life walking through a fog, lacking clarity to see. And one of the beautiful things about Jesus is He highlights that. He says He's come to give sight to those who feel like they lack clarity. I, I believe He does that through the calling that He gives us. It says in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, where there is no vision, people perish, but happy is he who keeps the teaching. That word vision there means prophetic revelation. It means, and it means a leading of the Holy Spirit. And here's what I wanna submit to you. It is possible for you to live your life led by the Spirit of God. So that even when it looks foggy around you, you're able to walk with confidence through life and not be held back. For me, practically, this has often happened that when I recognise that I'm in a fog and I'm lacking clarity, I'll reach out to those I trust most. And what I'll do is I'll ask them to ask me questions. Do you know how powerful it is when somebody helps you discover your why for doing something? See, if you know why you're doing what you've been called to do, you will persevere even through the hard times. If you have a passionate why behind you, There's a why that I'm committed to being a father, a mother, why I'm committed to the marriage, why I'm committed to raising children, why I'm committed to working hard, even in difficult work environments, why I'm committed to serving the house of God, to see God's kingdom come and His will be done. When you grab hold of a why, you can see through anything. Jesus is the most powerful why there is because He's come to give so that you can not only receive, but give yourself. So you're called to live beyond yourself. And often in that, that's when purpose comes. Everybody is called, you are called. Wherever you are right now, you are called. You are called into the Kingdom and you're called for a purpose. You have a divine destiny and allow the Holy Spirit to unlock that as you go. Find the people that draw out the why in you and you'll always find the why. Few more thoughts and then we'll wrap it up. Spirit of the Sovereign Lord, or the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the Gospel to the poor, sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. The truth is, church, we live our life out in a battleground, that there is oppression all around us for what the Bible calls evil and unclean spirits. That there is a realm that we don't see with our eyes, but we can acknowledge in our hearts often and we feel the resistance and the tension. It says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And you'll see it all throughout the ministry of Jesus that as He was healing people, He would also free them from the oppression of Satan. This was a regular part of ministry. Wasn't the only thing He did, but it was definitely a key aspect. That when He 
was presented with people that needed freedom, they were able to find freedom in Him. So I don't know about you, but sometimes I'll be driving along and an intrusive thought will come into my mind. A thought that if I'm able to acknowledge it before the Lord, I know isn't really me. It's a thought often of destruction or death, or it's a thought sometimes of condemnation. It's a thought that doesn't line up with the heart of God. And if I'm honest with myself, it doesn't really originate with me. It's like as if a parrot has landed on my shoulder and started nattering away. Do you know what that is? The Bible calls that an unclean spirit. It is an outside force. And if you read through the Scriptures, you'll see in the beginning book in Genesis, that mankind was led astray because a serpent entered a garden. Satan in the guise of an animal and tempted people through a lie to go in another direction. See, often I feel that oppression happens when I start to agree with the lies of the enemy about my life. And when I start to agree with the lies, what is built up is a pattern of thinking. And that pattern of thinking becomes a stronghold. And when that stronghold is established, it's almost like I can't separate what is me and what's the lie until I encounter God in it. And He demolishes the stronghold as He exposes the freedom that He has available. You are called to live in freedom. You are called not to be overcome. When you're battling in oppression, In that book, Ephesians, where it talks about the fact that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Don't look so low as the people around you as being the problem. What if there's spiritual forces that go far and above and you're called to rule over that? What if we're called to love people and resist the enemy? What if we're called to love people, but resist the work of the enemy in our lives? Bible says, if you resist the devil, he will flee from you. Don't participate. In the book of Ephesians chapter 6, it talks about putting the whole armour of God on. It's worthy of a whole, a whole set of teachings to unlock each and every one. Helmet of salvation, belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, boots of the Gospel, sword of the Spirit, shield of faith, praying always. But the writer finishes that by saying, having done all, stand. Here's how Jesus calls you to freedom from oppression. Having done all, stand, do not give up. Do not relinquish what God has given you. Press on through the brokenheartedness. Press on to overcome the captivity of thinking that keeps us bound. Press on to see clearly again things that have robbed you of the sight that God's given you. Press on and overcome the oppression because you are called to so much more. Finish the thought. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the Gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then He closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, sat down. The eyes who are all in the synagogue were fixed on Him. And He began to say to them, I think that's important. He began to say, this is fulfilled in your hearing. What an interesting turn of phrase. To begin to say something is fulfilled. Surely you just say it's fulfilled. But Scripture's clear, He began to say this is fulfilled. Here's what I wanna submit to you. This work that Jesus does in us, it's ongoing. It is fulfilled and it's been fulfilled. Live the journey. 
Just keep going forward and He binds up the brokenness in you. Just keep going forward and He sets you free from captivity. Just keep going forward and He'll give you clarity. Just keep going forward and He'll free you from oppression. Just keep going forward because what He says ultimately is I'm here to declare the acceptable year of the Lord. And I'll finish on this. What does that mean? The acceptable year of the Lord. Man, 2023 has been tough, Lord. Oh, it mustn't have been this year. What do you mean by that? See, in Jewish culture, every 50 years was marked a year of Jubilee, where all those who had lost, who had been robbed, who had been stolen, who had been stripped of their family and possessions, in the Jewish culture was restored back to them every 50 years. It was called the year of Jubilee. Here's the thing in the ministry of Jesus. As we come to Him, He brings restoration back into our lives. You are not called to live life as a slave. You are called to live life as a son of God. Not held back, not restricted. The acceptable year of the Lord. Church, could I invite you to stand to your feet? Freedom matters. But I believe that freedom is a process. Sometimes we need healing of the brokenness that we carry. Sometimes we need to acknowledge that our way of thinking is what's holding us back. Sometimes we need to see that we've lost sight of our calling and we're living life in a fog and we just need to have a fresh encounter of why, why we're doing what we're doing. Sometimes we're facing oppression where we need to resist the enemy and overcome. Sometimes we just need to stand and persevere to see what was robbed, restored. And Church, I just wanna seal the deal with this. I wanna encourage you, we are called to be a house where people find freedom. We are called to be a house where we help people find freedom and let all those things take place amongst us. Let, let us have connect groups where people are able to discern the heart of God for decision-making. Let us have people come alongside one another to build one another up, to overcome every obstacle. Let us be so filled with an understanding of the love of God that we're even able to call out in ourselves when our thinking descends to a lower level. Let us live up to what we're called to be. Let us live in the freedom that Jesus has purchased. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope it has blessed you. If you would like to find out more about Awaken City Church, visit awakencity.com.au.